the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 95. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning. How are you, my friend? I am excellent. Me too. Good. This new year is just off to a good old start, isn't it? Uh, for sure. For sure. Yes, it is. I mean, you know, I, there's no bombs dropping around here or anything like that. It's not that exciting, but um, it is a good, it's been a good couple of weeks. Yeah. I always love that fresh start. I, I just got back from a trip and um, it's my last trip, um, Sandra, and I'm so relieved to be done with all the flying and had like, no problems. And I just, yesterday I felt this huge wave of relief just leave me. I was like, ah, oh, yes. It's, oh. I mean, I enjoyed my trips, <laughs> but I am such a homebody. I love being home and um, school starts for me tomorrow. So I'm very, um, you're in nesting mode. Yeah. Now. I'm ready to kind of like hunger down and be here and yeah, be home, be cook. I just feel like I've been eating out a lot too, you know, not in my regular routine. So I'm happy to be home. Did you do anything fun this weekend? This weekend, I went for a hike on Saturday. That was really fun. I took my daughter and her best friend mm-hmm. and we went and explored this place only about 20 minutes from my house, but I'd never been. I love finding new places that I've never been to in my own city. And it was super fun. It was a gorgeous day here. It was supposed to rain all weekend, I thought, and be super cold. And then the sun came out. It was beautiful. It was so, it was so lovely. And, and, um, that's, that, that's, you know, that was, that was the, probably the highlight of the weekend. Besides that, I did a lot of reading, a lot of writing and a lot of sewing. My normal things I do. It's a nice trifecta for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, I saw some pictures on your Instagram, and you just looked happy. You looked just like you were beaming. Aw. Yeah. I was. Kinda, yeah. I was happy. I was happy. Fresh air does me very well, though, too. Oh. Well, I didn't get any fresh air. The time from the, from the moment I no, no sorry. <laughs> okay, from the moment I stepped into Angie's house, I take off my shoes and I don't put my shoes back on until she took me to the airport yesterday morning around five in the morning. Oh, nice. And um, we just she made me the best meals, my friend Angie, and uh, cooked up a storm for me. She made like five different types of bread this weekend. I mean, it's on oh, wow. Days. She is quite the baker. She made it all look so easy. You know, people that can just make it look just totally effortless. Just yes. painting a watercolor, all of a sudden this phenomenal dinner is made. I'm like, wow, you did that. It looks, you know, that's like her art form too. You know, she's just- That's really cool. It. And uh, yeah, we just, I took a lot of baths and um, she has this beautiful clawfoot tub. And then she has a shower that has like two shower heads. 
Ooh. One that's like getting your hair and then one's like in front of you. It's, it's total water therapy is like what I did this weekend. <laughs> but nice. now I, I feel like it's time for another bath. Andrew, she's like, great, go, you go. I'm going to go get, you know, the bread started. And it was just lovely. Oh, that's nice. Um, I, let's see, by the time this airs, it'll be the end of the month. Um, is there anything going on for you or anything you want to share or talk about? Uh, no, I, you can, if you uh, want to buy a kimono for me, I am adding them trick. They're trickling in this month. So you can go to, uh, the unruffle.com backslash marketplace. Um, I should be adding lots of new goodies. Um, but that's really it. Good. Just for me is that, um, my 11 day course started groove Mm -hmm. and the people have been so nice that have been responding and using the hashtag. And, um, something I should clarify is that it's kind of, it's going to be year round is my hope. So if you miss when the, when the emails start, um, which a welcome email goes out on the 10th and then the regular email sequence goes out on the 11th every month, um, you'll be signed up for the next one. So I already have a handful of women that are signed up for the February, um, course. So if anybody wants to do that, it's on my website at tammysolace.com. There's a tab up there called groove and you can learn more about it. And let's see, Patreon. Mm -hmm. We have, yeah, we have gotten new patrons. Yeah. And, and, and our older patrons who have just been consistent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And what's been happening in the Unruffled page, which has been really nice, is our listeners have been sharing that they've been um, donating and kind of promoting our own Patreon campaign. And I really, that was just, it touched me so much last week. I know it did you too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if people want to donate, we have, we have, uh, I think we got $17 in new patrons, which has felt very nice. And um, that's a monthly donation when people sign up. Um, those are individual people that compile that number. But um, I liked when people were talking about it. Like I went to a refuge recovery meeting last night. It's only my second one I've ever been to. You know, they pass the basket, you put a dollar in. Mm-hmm. Some people put $2 in. Lady next to me put $5 in. Like it's like, a, it's a meeting. And you support right. the meeting. And so like our episode that aired um, a couple weeks ago with Irma Scute, I mean, it's two hours long. It's like two hour meeting. So if people, I, I invite you to think about it that way. If this is how you're getting your recovery um, and adding to it, you know, if you guys wouldn't mind thinking about donating a dollar to an episode, it makes a really big deal. So um, the link is in our SoundCloud uh it's in SoundCloud where our podcast is. You can find a quick link to our Patreon account. Right. And we, uh, it is our goal to be completely listener funded. We, we have talked about getting sponsors, but I think we're kind of leaning towards not at this moment and seeing if we can just make our podcast a hundred percent listener funded. And I know we've been saying that we are working on perks and we really are. We've been putting pen to paper and I think we're coming up with a few good ideas. We just have to execute carve out some time to knock them out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a lot to do. <laughs> you there's know, a lot have, to do. We, we have families, list, but lives and um, school and just all kinds of things and the podcast. So um, we have not forgotten. It's just yeah. another thing we need to manage. So yeah, our thought was that if we could be a hundred percent listener funded, that would be our goal. Like, um, I have pitched a few people, um, 
it just feels really uncomfortable. Um, and I just don't know. And yeah, for you too, Sandra, like we're just not, we've never really fully pulled the trigger on that for some reason. So we want to right. listen to that. Right. Because, right. Because it would have to be a sponsor that we were, you know, a hundred percent on board with. So, um, yeah. 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 We don't want to just be pitching toothbrushes and mattresses to our listeners because right. that just does not feel right. So, right. so thank you to the patrons, yes. um, who've been there all along, who the new ones that are joining and for the new ones who are now just thinking about it right now when they're listening to the podcast. <laughs> You can do it too. The future patrons. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Well, should we get to yeah, it? Yeah, let's jump in. So today we're going to talk about boundaries and it was brought up in our secret Facebook group that perhaps this is a topic we could explore. And I don't know about you, Tammy, but I kind of just really wanted to say no, absolutely not. I know nothing about <laughs> boundaries. I will, cannot write a book about boundaries. I cannot do a podcast about boundaries. Um, Let's lay a boundary down about that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. That was the gut reaction for me too. Yes. Right. But then it was so funny when we thought, okay, let's just do it. Uh, And I texted you, Tammy, and said, yeah, I said I didn't have anything to say about boundaries, but then I sat down and wrote out five pages about boundaries. So... (laughs) You have some things to say. So I guess I have a few things to say. Um, So I'm going to start with my monologue here. Uh, So when I was thinking about it, you know, it's, I always think that there's something that we either have or we, or we don't, you know, everybody wants to talk about the definitions. And sometimes I just really want to live without defining everything. It's like, I just want to go out to my studio and so please do I have to define everything in my life and make it mean something. But I do. do, You don't. That's why we're friends, I think. Right. (laughs) Because I really don't. But I do understand that they are important. If you don't have them, (laughs) then you're really affected, right? But I also think that a boundary is only as as effective as it's enforcement. And that's the key. You can yeah. have all these boundaries all day long, but you have to enforce them. Absolutely. Or it's just useless and arbitrary. So, so to me, so I was going to do some research and probably regurgitate what other people had said. And I'm sure what I'm about to say about boundaries is probably just a combination of things that I've heard and picked up in the last five years. But um, I decided to just write out my own definitions and we can kind of go from there. Um, So to me, an internal boundary is just the same thing as, as how you would define a boundary in the material world. It's like a fence or a line in the sand that you draw, but because it can't be seen, you have to verbalize it because people can't, you can't just assume that people know that you have these particular boundaries. Right. And right. So that's, that's important part that I think a lot of people leave off in their definition. You have to verbalize it. And then you have to verbalize the consequence if the boundary is crossed. Mm. So, for, right. So for, 
and then it, both of those things have to go together or from, to me, it's just not a boundary. It's just a thought in your head. Yeah. Um, so for instance, say your sister comes over and she knocks on your door every day and expects to be let in so she can like uh, download her office politics or whatever every day with you. And you love your sister and you want to be there for her, but she comes over right when you're trying to finish dinner and get the kids started on homework and all that. Excuse me. And it, you know, it doesn't seem like a big deal to your sister. She just wants to follow you around and chat it out with you, but it's stressful for you because you want to pay attention to your family and you want to pay attention to your sister. So you say, look, I, I want to hear you and I want to support you, but you can't come over at this time. Why don't you come over an hour later and then we can sit on the couch and I can give you my full attention. So now here's where the boundary comes in. You say, if you come over again at five, I'm not going to let you in. So <laughs> there's the, I mean, that's it, right? That's right. the boundary and the consequence. So makes me very uncomfortable to hear you say that. Keep going. Right. But it's <laughs> only uh, the boundary is only good as it's enforcement. Yeah. So the next day when your sister forgets <laughs> uh -huh. and she comes back and knocks on your door again at five o'clock and she's like, look, I know you said that, but this is too important. And I've got to tell you right now, you, then you say kindly, look, I love you, but I love my family come back in an hour and we'll hash it out. And then you shut the door. That's the boundary. Wow. Yeah. I don't know that I have strong boundaries. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know that right now, <laughs> at the top of the show and for and our that, listeners. And That's I, what I shirked away from wanting to do the show too. I was like, I don't think I got Well, and <laughs> I am not saying I do that perfectly, Mm -hmm. But again, that's a boundary. You know, when growing up, I think we learn these things from our parents, right? Yeah, we for sure. model our parent. We model what our parents are doing. And I not throwing my mom under the bus or anything, but you know, I watched my mom my whole life. She would set all kinds of boundaries. You know, if you do this, I'm going to do this. If you do this, fill in the blank, then I'm going to do this, fill in the blank. But she yeah. never followed through with a consequence. So then it's just a threat. Then it's just a threat. They're to right. It's totally meaningless. It's totally meaningless. And I did the same thing, you know, most of my life. Now, I am going to say, too, that I don't just arbitrarily set boundaries. I really don't. I mean, honestly... It, yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, which we are, mm -hmm. I uh, usually wait until it co is causing me resentment. <laughs> right. Or, well, that's I, a trigger. Yeah. Right. Or if I think it is about to cause me a resentment, and yeah. then I will set the boundary. Hmm. Um, yeah, so, that's a good indicator. That's, that's a health. But that's, I mean, if you can see it coming, right? Yeah. Now that we've, that you and I, I know we've worked the 12 steps. You can see a resentment coming. You really uh, can. You can see it coming and you're like, okay, I got to do something about that so that I don't have to make an amends is kind of where I go in my head. I don't yes. want to have to make an amends. So right. you don't want to see resentment. it build up and build up and build up until you completely blow your top. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. So I want to give one more example. Yeah, this please. is from my real life. And then, and then I'll let you 
chime in about what you, how you ex have experienced boundaries. Okay. But so this is from my real life. We're going to call this friend Stephanie and she and I have been friends for 30 years since college. And we've done a lot of drinking together. We used to have a phone date several times a week during happy hour. We both sit on our patios and smoke cigarettes and drink copious amounts of wine and just gossip. We did that for years. And after I had Chloe, I stopped smoking. So then it kind of turned into, we would do it while I was cooking dinner. And uh, again, you know, just drinking like a fish and gossiping while I cook dinner. Well, as you can imagine, <laughs> when mm -hmm. I quit drinking, well, first of all, we stopped talking and I quit cooking dinner for a while. I, I started, I think we've talked about this before, but I had to change my patterns completely around dinner. I started do, putting, loading the crock pot up in the mornings. Like I changed the time of when I would cook dinner. Uh, I would let my, make my husband cook dinner mm -hmm. a lot. Um, so during that time I would leave the house. I would go for a walk, listen to on being, you know, I would do something different. Go to your church. Yeah. Right. That uh, yeah. was your church. Was those exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. I had to change. I had to change up my patterns because the cooking dinner part was too triggering. Yeah. Well, soon enough, my friends, my friend and I started, she would start, she started calling me again after, after a little while. And, um, she would be doing her regular thing that she'd always been doing at five o'clock. Me, of course I wasn't. Um, yeah. and her calling me while she was drinking was uber triggering to me as I'm sure you can imagine. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Over triggering to me. And I, but it's hard to explain triggers to somebody who is not on your, not on your side of the fence. They just don't understand triggers and they don't understand what that means. And it's not that she's not a compassionate friend. She very much is, but she still just didn't quite get it. So I finally had to say, because I didn't, want to be mad at her for doing what she'd always done. I was the one that changed. And so I had to say, look, Stephanie, if you call me again at five, I'm not going to answer the phone. Mm. I, if, if, I would love to talk to you, but we have to talk in the mornings with coffee. We just need to change our talking, our chatting time. Mm. Okay. And how'd she respond to that? She said, okay. And then of course she forgot <laughs> or right. she well, didn't yeah. take me seriously and right. she kept calling me, but I stopped answering the phone mm -hmm. and until she finally started calling me at, in the mornings. So, uh, that was, that was, that's a, just a real life example of boundary setting in my life. Yeah. And so did that change over time or did you just have to keep reinforcing? Did it eventually shift? Uh, I just had to keep reinforcing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I couldn't go back. Once I set the boundary, it's, I set it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> 
Okay. Did you feel uncomfortable? I, I just have a few more questions for you. Did you feel uncomfortable <laughs> while you were doing it? It was hard. I probably had to rehearse it in in, in my head a couple of times. Right. In the mirror. <laughs> right. Because if you're not used to doing it, and if that's not how your relationship, I mean, 30 years is a long time. So to start saying, like, I, I'm going to create this new boundary, basically, is what, I mean, you didn't say it, but that's what you were doing. Right. Um, that's a shift but, for you. That's a shift. If, to, you have to if, practice that shit. Sure. But it really was important for me to set it, to say it and set the boundary when I wasn't angry. Yes. I didn't want to do, I didn't want it to come from that place. Well, and, and then she received it obviously, eventually. Eventually. It it shifted, but it's not something that you talked. Is it something that you guys ever talked about or did it just eventually start happening that your times changed when you talked and our times just eventually changed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, if she would have come back and said, I'm, you know, I'm really upset that you don't answer my phone calls at five o'clock anymore, which she didn't, you know, then we probably would have had to have more of a conversation around it. But, um, you know, and and when I set the boundary too, I did explain, this is why I'm doing it. I, I just can't, I can't talk to anybody that's drinking. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't talk to anyone that's drinking right now. I was too early in my sobriety. Right. Yeah. I'm married to a very boundaried person. So I definitely um, have learned from him over the years, or I could see where I, um, I most definitely didn't have boundaries and he did the phone. You're just making me think of a memory growing up. If the phone rang in our household, like it got answered mm-hmm. and what I've learned over the years um, from being with in the relationship that I'm in with my husband, but just from growing up too, and having cell phones now, which is, we don't have a landline. Like you have an option to answer the phone. Mm-hmm. You don't have to answer it. That is where you have some control over the situation. Um, but growing up, it was like, it was an automatic phone rang and you answered it. Mm-hmm. Whether dinner was happening or not. Mm-hmm. And I felt that way for a long, long time up until I think probably right before sobriety that I had to jump when the phone rang, that I had to answer that call, that I had to tend to the person on the other line, that I, um, you know, it was a call and response and I had to respond because hello, they called me. Right. And that's not true. Mm -mm. That is not true. So yes, I, (laughs) you're making me have all these memories while you're sharing. Um, I definitely um, have a phone situation um, that I think I've shared it here on the show before, but I know we have some new listeners. Um, Me and my sister, she was how I started practicing some of these boundaries with the phone. And when her and I would talk, what I started noticing was, um, you know, we just gossiped. Mm -hmm. That was kind of how we connected and we would run down the list of family and we just start to who's what's happening with so-and-so and oh did you hear so-and-so had a baby and um but eventually it wouldn't be very nice actually it was kind of catty and making fun I'm not proud to admit that but if we're going to be honest here that's kind of what was happening and I knew something didn't feel right and it wasn't until I started um working with a sponsor that I could start naming some of these things. Like when I did my fourth step and I was, I was looking at my part in things. Gossip was a really big part of my, um, of my fourth column 
of the, if my part in things. Mm-hmm. And so working with her, it was really nice that I was able to actually talk with her and say, Hey, I'm working on this thing and here's what we do. And she's like, yeah, I know we do it. Um, I got to get better at that. And I was like, okay, so can we like be accountable to each other? Can we work on this? And she was just amazing. Cause she is amazing. And she would start down a, a, a storyline and I would say, okay, hold up, hold up. This doesn't feel good. And not all the time. So I'm not a saint, you know what I mean? But if I could, right. catch it, if I could catch it, I could just tell my body how I started to feel. Well, and it's so cool too, that you had somebody that you could trust that you could just yeah. practice with. She was totally, and she still is. And like the sweet thing called me the other day and she just downloaded a bunch of stuff. And I was not in a good place. I was, in, I was working really hard on my course. I'd answered her phone because I hadn't talked to her over the holiday very much. And she just kind of did this download. And I was like, Trey, I can't talk right now. I'm not in the place to hear everything that you're saying. I'm in the middle of something. I'm, I'm not happy right now. And I got to go. And she was like, oh, I'm sorry, hon. She said, okay, I'm sorry. I just did all that. I'll talk to you later. It's the healthiest relationship that I have is with my sister. Mm-hmm. And that I can be really transparent and honest with her. And I guess because creating, I guess if that's a boundary, like she responded to it and I feel safe doing it with her. She is still kind of my practice person because I don't know that I, I don't, I couldn't, I don't think I could say that to somebody else. Just like, let's practice this. Um, I mean, maybe a little bit I do with Natalie, but yeah, it's a hard, it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. And so, like I said, I've been doing it for almost four years. It's been, it's been a practice, but I think it's um, really elevated our relationship, deepened it. It's not superficial on the top anymore. Um, We talk about deeper things and it's enriched my relationship by having that kind of a boundary for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, I was reading, I know you didn't want to do a definition, but I wanted to just say real quick, because I'm a definition gal. Um, I've been studying with Pixie Lighthorse, right, for the last seven, eight months, I'm reading her books, and I'm taking a class with her this week. And um, she talks, she has a book called Boundaries and Protection. Mm-hmm. And in there, she just very simply, she has a lot of definitions for boundaries, but there's one, and, and then you've hit on this with your own definition. So um, boundaries are dividing lines between us and other creatures. In this application, humans, um, they denote where we end and someone else begins. And um, she talked about how boundaries help us know when to turn a thought into a belief and when it would not serve us to do so. Um, And she just thinks that boundaries are much easier to master as adults, which is what I think, like, when I stopped drinking, I feel like it's finally when I came into my adulthood, you know, where I felt... I know I've been a quote unquote adult since I turned 18, but there's a a level of maturity and consciousness that I have now um, as a person who no longer drinks that, um, yeah, there's a line for sure between me and others now that that wasn't there before. It was all blurred before because I blurred it, Mm -hmm. like literally blurred it. (laughs) It was a mess. Um, but she, she also riffs on like that boundaries are, it, they help make room for deeper connections and intimacy um, that she thinks we humans actually want to have. And I think that's what I was craving with my sister, you know, mm-hmm. and it sounds like you were with your friend too. Like, I want to connect with you. Oh, for, yeah, yeah. But just not at five o'clock if you've had a cocktail 
and while I'm making dinner for my family, because it's a really rough time for me. Like that's, you still wanted to connect. You weren't trying to disconnect. Right. I wasn't trying to shut it down completely at all. Not at all. Yeah. And I think that that's, um, when you are setting a boundary, I think that that's how you can, it's, you know, we're not required to give things a soft approach. We often feel like we should be, you know, think about other people's feelings and mm-hmm. all of that, even though I can't hurt your feelings. You right. can, you, you decide whether your feelings are hurt or not. Correct. If that makes sense. So, um, but at least having um, an alternative solution to the the situation um, that is requiring you to set a boundary is a softer approach, I guess. And it feels less arbitrary to me too. It's like, you know, because it's not that I just, I don't want to talk to you because this is making me angry. That that feels arbitrary. I do want to talk to you, and I do want to connect you with you, just not at this time. Right. Let's do it at another time in well, the morning. Just more transparent. Exactly. Well, I think I can speak, only speak for myself, but as a woman, I, I I feel like I was just born to apologize. I was born to m- make room for others at the expense of myself. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have been apologizing since I could talk right? Saying sorry all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that the more um, I recover myself and know what makes me tick, um, that's why I think it's it's going to be easier. And again, maybe boundaries is just, I'm not super comfortable with that word, but I know that I am. I, I just said before that I was only doing it with my sister. That's not true. I, I have to, it's been eking and slipping into my life. Um, yeah. Ever since I stopped drinking, mm-hmm. cause it kind of had to, I had to protect myself. Mm-hmm. I had to protect myself from situations, people, energy. So it's a, it's a slow kind of fence maybe that's been going up, you know, in certain areas of my life. Like um, when you did the fence analogy. Yeah. Right. Well, and another word you could substitute even for boundaries, and I just even, this just occurred to me, is preferences. Mm. And um, and I, when I was drinking, I often did not know what, what I wanted. <laughs> so right. how, I didn't know what I preferred. Everything yeah. just happened to me. I had no agency. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, everything was a surprise. Right. <laughs> right. Surprise. This is where we're at today. So, oh, yeah. So okay. I got sober and realized, oh, I actually do have preferences. Yeah. I, I I have preferences and they are allowed to exist. For sure. For sure. Yeah. You could give your we had to give ourselves permission. So, yeah, like when we get these comments and women are sharing, I know, in our secret Facebook group and just our friends in general, like when they go to a party and how long do I have to stay? And, you know, everybody's drinking. I feel awkward. Um, I guess for me over time, um, I wrote down a couple of examples where I put some boundaries in sobriety and, and one has been book club. You know, there's a curfew. I was bringing tea with me. I was not going to accept wine. Um, 
I could leave the situation before it got a little too elevated. Um, and around gossip was another one was another big one. I was going to say that like, I, I'm trying not to do that. And even this weekend, I, I got some really hard news. Um, yeah, I got some hard news and part of me wanted to go to the kind of snitty gossipy hard place. Um, not attractive place, not my best self place. And I went there for a minute and then I was like, nope, I can't do that out loud to my friend. Like, I can't, I can't go there. I know that's not healthy. And mm -hmm. she was like, oh, good for you. Yeah. Let's change the subject. So, you know, it is these small little things that we do um, to protect ourselves and to kind of, you know, recognize it and go, no, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to go back to how I used to be. And that's a good indicator for me, Sandra, because I can very clearly still, still see the me that was, you know, stay overstaying my welcome at a bar, gossiping, gossiping about friends, mm -hmm. people that thought they were my really good friends. And I, when I started drinking, all bets were off. Oh, sure. And, um, I have a lot of shame around that because that's horrible. And what if people were doing that about me? you know? So, um, I can only see this now through the lens of, of being a sober woman though. Right. I couldn't really see it then. Um, when I was in it. Right. And not, and not that I'm perfect now. Like I just said, it just happened again this weekend and I felt very justified. And then I was like, Oh, but it doesn't feel good. Right. Right. Like if I listen to my gut. It doesn't feel good. I know this is not because I don't want to make a, an amends for it. <laughs> right. And just having, stops me right. just having more awareness yeah. around what you say your boundaries or your preferences are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think um, if you don't mind, I was going to riff on this a little bit. Yeah. There's, there's um, so since we're talking about this change, since we're talking about boundaries, um, there's a, a point that, that, um, the Pixie Lighthorse brings up in her book about clean relations. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what I'm feeling now in sobriety. And um, I wanted to read a tiny bit of this about what does a clean relation mean? Because I think you've already hit on this as well, Sandra. Um, but a clean relation means, um, think of an, the idea as having enjoyable relationships with those we love in which there are few resentments that are not being talked about. Clean relations are the ones you might describe as having a fair and equitable exchange of love and energy. Chances are you can name several relationships you are currently participating in that are of a messier nature. Resentments are the natural result of not expressing unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. When held for too long, they cause internal conditions that I think of as ulcerations of the spirit. And then she goes on and she just says, it, it is not clean relations to expect another person to do the checking in. So to really own your part in things, um, which is what I think we're, we're doing when we're, when we're recovering, um, seeing, you know, what did I have to do with all of this? Um, that is like a question that I think about almost every single day with the people in my life in one way or another. And I think I know who I don't have clean relations with. Mm -hmm. Well, and often we have expectations of people in our lives mm -hmm. when we haven't stated what we want. Right. 
Oh, we, the mind reading? What? You, I don't, what? That's, what you I, I mean, when I, hear, when I hear, when I hear that, that's what I think of, you know, we, mm-hmm. uh, especially with our spouses and partners and children, you know, we expect them to behave a certain way and to treat us a certain way when we have never, ever, ever verbally expressed our wants and needs and desires. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a magical thinking. Right. Like, oh, he's just going to automatically know I don't like that. Mm-hmm. How, how would my husband ever know that unless I... Right. And that's the, ex- those are the expectations that lead me quicker to resentment than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. What it's is like, it? oh, you don't hear the stomping around. <laughs> you don't hear that. <laughs> you don't hear that. Well, I know my family gets my tone. That is something that has been a... Uh, uh, on the table for a while is about my tone. I can affect and change the whole mood of the house with just my tone of voice. I think any of us in our family could. Sure. Uh, it's more often me and my husband, not my son. You know, he's, he, uh, he gets, unfortunately gets to absorb us sometimes. And we're, it's like our tone changes the whole room. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a household where uh, there's a lot of magical thinking going on and thinking that everyone should read everybody's mind. And that was very confusing as a child. So I grew up thinking that too. It was modeled, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Well, they should just know. Um, how? How? <laughs> how are, wait, do they have superpowers? Are they like, you know, no, they don't. They don't know what I'm thinking or what my parents are thinking. But a lot of that, it's still happening. Right. Passive aggressiveness yeah. is, is not a clear way of communicating. <laughs> no, that is not a clean relation, right? When it you're passive aggressive with someone. Um, again, not perfect at any of this. Still a total. No, no. But I, I think <laughs> I recognize just it. being aware is huge. Yeah. So that's leaps and bounds from yeah. where I, I was think, 10 years ago. I think that when we are, I mean, I'm a deeply sensitive person. I didn't realize how much things affected me or I tried to be very independent or have this label that, you know, I could take care of things, but I think in kind of dismantling a lot of stuff from the work I've done is I'm, I'm a deeply sensitive um, feeling person. And when Natha did our astrology, our natal chart and talking about what kind of child I was, it really tapped me back into that to think that I've always been kind of this empathic, sensitive soul that got dismissed and, and or made fun of. And so I had to flip that um, to please people and to mold and bend to what they wanted me to be. That is not something that is easy to switch overnight, um, but putting boundaries in place has helped me, has helped me try to morph and change because I don't, I don't want to just please people to please them. It doesn't please me. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, if I want to, if it's something that's aligning with me, um, sure. But if it's just to please somebody else and to get that gold star, um, that's lessening. It hasn't completely gone away, but it's, uh, it's just the work that I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where else do we go from here, Sandra? I don't, um, I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm sure there's lots, again, I I think we, 
I don't think we were recording when I, when I said this, but I tend to like a very, if I'm going to have to define something, then I like it to just be a a very um, cut and dry definition. I, especially uh, with something that, um, I don't know, I, I, I don't really go in a, in, I don't really go for fluffy language around, <laughs> around things like boundaries or codependence or all of in, any of that. I, I really like a very practical definition with practical solutions Yeah, because um, that works in my head. If the language gets too fluffy or woo, then it just seems too esoteric to right. me. Right. Yeah. Um, I think boundaries, well, they inspire me to kind of take some action, right? You have to do something when you have a boundary. Right. That's which yeah. is probably why I didn't do any of it when I was that's, thinking. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that that's the enforcement part yeah. I think is what I was talking about earlier because, again, if, if, if it's not enforced, then it's just a thought in your head. Well, I asked my husband last night, because I knew we were going to have this conversation. I asked him about, um, and this will not be a drunkalogue, but it is going to be a drinking story. Um, it just, he, I asked, I said, so did you, what are your thoughts about me and boundaries, you know, when I was drinking? And he was like, well, I don't think you really had strong boundaries. I'm like, well, can you give me an example? I said, I'm having a hard time coming up with, um, you know, some, I thought of one. And he was like, you just didn't, your home life and your work life and your social life, all of those were blurred. All of them were just like, I would call from the wine bar. I would have been drinking since, you know, two, three, four o'clock in the afternoon. I closed at seven and then I would bring customers home to have dinner that we were going to host, even though I've been hosting them all day at the wine bar Mm -hmm. and said, oh, I'm bringing over so-and-so. There's me four of us. You know, I had a little kid at the time mm-hmm. you know, that was two, three, four, five, six. And we'd put him in front of a movie and then it was all so that I could drink more. Right. So you was, keep going, keep yeah. the party going. Yeah. Every, everybody was buzzed. And so my husband did it and then I'm sure he resented me. Um, I did it three or four nights a week, Sandra. I did mm-hmm. it a lot. Or I'd say, meet us at the hotel. We're going to, the hotel in town has a restaurant too and a bar. He's at the hotel, bring Grady. I mean, and then my husband would come and have dinner and he would leave. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, oh, I'm going to get a ride home from so-and-so because I never wanted to leave. I never wanted to come home. Mm-hmm. I, wanted, I couldn't stop drinking. Oh yeah. Same. And then they, um, I'd stay late. I'd stay after they were closed because my friends owned it. Then we'd do a little um, dancing to country music and put on George Strait and because she's from Texas, from West Texas. And then eventually I'm sure they would be like, we got to get her out of here. And then they would pour me into the car and then they would drop me off at my house. And so overstaying my welcome, inviting people to my home, um, probably not even paying my bar tab for all I drank. You know what I mean? Like I just, I had no boundaries uh, or respect for other people's uh, time, space, um, And so that just, everything was blurry, blurry, blurry. And Mm -hmm. I thought about it last night. I told Stu, I was like, oh, I think I have some amends to make 
because that I forgot about probably to the people that own the the hotel and the restaurant mm-hmm. um, that didn't get on my list because I'm sure um, that was not their that's their business. I right. used to own a business. I know what you want people to leave when you close. <laughs> you do not. You've had a long day. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my work, my life, my social life. Um, inviting people over for an afternoon glass of wine would always inevitably turn into a midnight affair, you know? Right. Right. It would just would. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, that's it. I just, everything was blurred. Everything was later. There were no hard stops. There weren't any, I have a three-year-old you guys have to leave by nine o'clock. No, it got louder and elevated. And then we put Grady to bed and switch to the living room and open up another bottle of wine. There was no end in sight. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, my husband's not being interviewed on the show, but we, you know, I'm, why didn't he have a boundary around it? Why didn't, you know, how did he not lay down a law? I'm sure he did as best he could because maybe I was, he did, but she didn't hear it. Ex- totally. Totally. You ignored it. Yeah. Totally. And, um, he was, I would, you know, the killjoy or, uh, oh, he's always like that. He's such a stick in the mud. It wasn't yeah. nice. It wasn't nice about Oh him. yeah. I know when my husband ever tried to lay down some kind of absolute, I was just defiant. I oh, mean, me especially if I was drinking, I was, I would just turn into a downright itch. I mean, I was awful. It was yeah. awful. Yeah. Cause I always say, why don't you, you know, t- why don't you cut me off it too? And he's like, cause that's not, cause you're going to get pissed off. Right. Who wants and to I would act like a, yeah, a bitch in public. And then I would say, why don't you just go? Mm-hmm. So-and-so yeah. will take me home. Who's been right. drinking probably just as much as me, by the way. So mm-hmm. not a great choice for delivering me home. But at the end, and I, again, I don't remember because we've done so many podcasts, but one of the things at the end of my drinking, well, six years before I quit drinking, um, my husband said to me one night, he never asked me to stop drinking. Um, but he said to me one night, and I'll never forget, he said, like, why don't you respect yourself? Mm-hmm. I respect myself. <laughs> right. You mean I don't respect I myself? I respect <laughs> God. I can see me what I'm wearing. I'm in the living room. I, I, I mean, it was a horrible night. Um. I didn't do anything to change um, at that point, but his words never left me. And I think boundaries, the way, the reason I'm bringing this up is that um, I respect myself now mm-hmm. and I, I have to have some boundaries um, in order to do that. You know, it's like they kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And so while I thought I didn't have a lot to say about this either, it's because I'm just doing it. I don't think we're talking about it so much. We're just, it's kind of happening. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think, you know, like I said in the beginning, I think you just do it innately, but you know, when you don't have them or, you know, when you feel like you haven't verbalized them clearly and they've been crossed. Yeah. Hey, Unruffled listeners, just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. To date, we have produced over a year's worth of content and have over a quarter million downloads. We can hardly believe it. If you like what you've been hearing, you can be a patron of this show for as much as you'd like, even if it's just a dollar an episode. To donate, please go to www.patreon.com backslash the Unruffled podcast. 
Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. Yeah, going back to what you were talking about during, you know, the heavy drinking years. I I I've said this before on the podcast, but my actions never lined up with my intentions when I started mm-hmm. drinking. And so I would I would have the intentions of, you know, not getting drunk or I would have the intentions of not staying out all night. I would have the intentions of going home after, you know, after two hours at the party, I would have all of these grand intentions. Um, but my actions never lined up. Right. Excuse me. And, um, so I, I don't know necessarily know if that's a boundary. It certain if it if it was, uh, it, it was very loosey goosey. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was certainly not anything that I was intending to. I thought I was intending to follow through, but I never did. And I knew that I probably wasn't going to going into situations either. Um, you know, it's. I was so unpredictable when I started drinking. I was very unpredictable. Yeah. And, uh, which seemed exciting, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bit, like, I, I mean, you know what you're going to get. Well, trust me. It was the thing that, that, that kept me drinking for a long time. I thought, you know, no, I, I can't monotony will destroy me. I need the spontaneousness. I never know where I'm going to fall down. Come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> I never know what, where I'm going to get bruised. I never I'm... know where I'm going to wake up. Yeah, where my purse is. I don't get <laughs> where my money go. Yeah. I mean, we're laughing because we've been there, but. Yeah. Right. It, 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 exactly. And while, you know, those situations maybe were fun in my twenties, they really got sad in my forties. Yeah. And yeah. what I thought was a, a life without monotony was a life that was so completely monotonous because it was the same thing every single night, even if I didn't leave my house, oh, especially yeah. if I didn't leave my house. <laughs> Yeah, it was Groundhog Day. It was, it was, we knew what was going to happen. I kind of got the thrill of, I knew that like I was going to, it was just that feeling, that kind of warm, fuzzy feeling that I would get after two glasses of wine that I knew, like, I just love that feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would chase. It didn't really happen for me with the first one, maybe because I'd been drinking so much, um, you know, near the end, it was, it was the second glass of wine that that's the feeling I always wanted. I'm like, why can't I hover here? Right. It lasts this is this about awesome feeling. 45 seconds. <laughs> right. This is where I want to be. And then it just tips, you know, to right. where I don't want to be. Right. But, but then going back to boundaries and trying to tie that back in, you know, I guess it, if I was attempting to make a boundary and say with myself, or even, ver- mm-hmm. even if I had verbalized it to my husband, yes, I'm going to go to this party, but I'm only going to have two drinks. And if I have more than that, then I'm going to really look at my drinking. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
that would have been a good solid boundary that a healthy person could have set for themselves around alcohol. But I never set those kind ever. And if I, if I tried, I never followed through with them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even fully remember a lot of it. I mean, yeah, I don't remember a lot of, um, of my self-talk towards the end. Cause I, I really just was drinking like my face off. Um, was saying, I was same. I yeah. I mean, but there were always attempts for me to try to control my drinking. I mean, oh, that yeah. was like a 20 year ongoing battle was trying yeah. to control my drinking. And so, um, again, uh, I was, I, I was too, you know, I was too addicted. Yeah. I didn't even think about the words or titles. I didn't think about any of that. I just thought about how I felt and I didn't want right. to that way anymore. Whatever that was called, I, that whatever that was called. Um, but one thing that just made me think about it, um, Sandra, was saying no is a beautiful boundary now. Yes, that that you're I right. Mm-hmm. Because I couldn't say that before. I always said yes, and then I would probably barely deliver. Or you would have resentments over saying yes. Totally. Yes. And I would gossip and talk shit on like the PTA members or the, the volunteers that I managed. I managed 500 volunteers. I was a martyr. I complained. Why did I do it? Mm. You know, I did it because I thought I had to, and I wanted everybody to think I was so great because I was managing all those people. Mm-hmm. Yet I was not a very nice person. You know, yeah. I mean, I had my moments, I'm sure, but saying no is something that I didn't really know how to do. Um, and, uh, if you'll indulge me, I have a funny story. Mm-hmm. I signed up on match.com when I was married mm-hmm. for a friend. Okay. <laughs> While I was drinking a lot of Syrah in my living room because she was single and she didn't want to sign up. So I crossed a boundary and I was like, oh, I'll sign up for you. I'll go on there. We can check because she wanted to see who was in our area that was on match.com. But she wouldn't do it. So I took it upon myself to do it in my living room, laughing about it, drinking, not even thinking about the boundaries I was crossing there. You Mm -hmm. know, my husband's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, we're just going to see who's online for Patty. Oh, I said her name. (laughs) Um, I didn't say her last name. And I was like, I thought about that the other day. And I was like, that was, it felt, it didn't feel right. Eventually I got off of there, but I'm like, what if my community, cause you can see who's on there. Uh Uh-huh. I've never been on. I will say I've never been on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have. And I, you know, I could see my community members. I could see who was single. Hello. They could see me too. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a little confusing. That's right. a little bit. And here I am, um, totally codependent with this friend, caretaking her. I stayed out all the time drinking with her. She was single. Um, she didn't have anybody to go out with. So, Steve, I got to go. You know? Mm-hmm. No, you don't, actually. You're a mom, and you need to probably get your ass home after work. Mm-hmm. Instead of going out with your friend to the dive bar. Um, so, yeah, saying no now in recovery so much easier because right. I don't ha- I'm not lying about anything 
Right. And I think you hit upon something important to highlight, and that's codependence and seeking outside validation. Mm -hmm. Those, those things I think have to be addressed before you can even talk about healthy boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And, and saying no to unhealthy relationships, to match.com, to whatever. I mean, that, or to any situation that doesn't feel like you said, like in alignment with yourself. I never even thought about what was in alignment with me because I was so out of an alignment, out of alignment that it did, I didn't right. even know, but day by day and doing this work and trying to stay, you know, sober every day and, and changing my habits and reading books, like all those things start slowly aligning you and you can kind of figure out what your core values are and you can kind of figure out what is acceptable. Um, and so no actually helps me kind of, it saves my energy. Right. Right. And I can say no to things that don't um, serve me mm-hmm. or that will kind of waste my time is how I feel it. Now, sometimes I got to do things I don't want to do. Like I had some family obligations over the holidays and I didn't, I wasn't jazzed about doing. Um, but because I had had all this rest and relaxation, I could kind of power through. There mm-hmm. was no way to get out of some things. So I couldn't, you can't say no to everything. I understand. Um, but for me, opting out, not having to go to everything, not having fear of missing out, like just being like, nope, I'm, I'm good. Right. And it's having reasons behind your yeses and your noes and then liking your reasons. Yeah. 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 So no, um, is actually kind of like a yes, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually, when you say no to something that is not going to serve you, or it's going to be an energy suck, or you know it's going to just lead you down a path that's not healthy, um, you're just kind of fortifying yourself. And that's how I feel. I feel when I say no, when I started saying no, when I quit my book club, I was like, I can no longer spend three hours obsessing about going to book club before I went, <laughs> or even the day. And then physically being there for three hours and then coming home and having to kind of download from it and transition. That's like, that's a a lot of time. And once I quit and left the book club, it just freed up all this space for me. Um, I guess energetically. Yeah. That I don't have to. um, And I feel bad that I feel that way. I know that the ladies there love it and have a great time. And I probably seem like a Debbie Downer. Um, but I'm sure they were relieved when I left too. You know what I mean? Cause I'm sure I was bringing energy there that didn't feel great. Right. And if you kept saying yes, did you like your reasons for saying yes? I mean, that's just really a good way to approach almost anything. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see. I'm looking at my notes here. covered what I wanted to cover, Sandra. I think we did too. Again, you guys, we are not going to be writing a book about boundaries anytime (laughs) soon. Right. We're not experts. Well, that was the thing. It was, um, I'm going to go ahead and say like, um, um, I was chatting with a friend and uh, she'd left me a message and she said, um, she was the one that had recommended that we, that we talk about boundaries. And I was like, I don't feel that I'm qualified. And, uh, you know, and she was just like, I don't want to hear an expert. I want to hear you and Sandra just talk about it. That's exactly what I want to hear. There doesn't have to be any, you know, um, 
certification behind your name to say that you're qualified to talk about boundaries. So I hope that was a nice fluid conversation for our listeners and maybe to spark them to think about um, boundaries in their lives. And, you know, how has that shifted or changed? Or if you're listening and you're um, sober curious, you know, think, I would, I would encourage you to think about where maybe um, your boundaries need some firming up. Right, right. Do you have them? And if you don't, is it because you, uh, you know, is al- does alcohol, is alcohol affecting that? Yeah. Affecting your ability to not set good boundaries. Yeah, I know it did for me. But yeah, that's something to think about if you are um, on the fence about your drinking. Um, whether it's you're addicted to drinking or a gray area, just think about, just think about, um, do you want more of that in your life? Do you want more ease? Do you want less energy thrown into trying to keep people at bay? Um, I know I don't anymore. I don't want to spend my energy that way. Right. Are you saying yes a whole lot when you really wish that you were saying no. Um, That's a great, just easy way to remember it, Sandra. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we should should get to our our little toolbox part of the show. Toolbox, yes. Mine are simple, but they're things that are are working for me uh, this month, this first month of 2019. Um, do you want me to go first? Yeah, please. Okay. So I found a new meeting and it's a, a free thinkers meeting and I'm not going to go into a whole lot of details about it to respect their tra- traditions, but it's such a cool, uh, 12 step meeting. So free thinkers are typically, um, agnostic. I am not agnostic. The God talk in meetings doesn't bother me, but I'm finding that I like the people that are attracted to a free thinkers meeting. And I know that the first time we actually ever met in person was at the free thinkers conference here in Austin. I mean, I know we were meeting a lot of people that we knew online, but just the general population of that conference, there were some really cool people there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I never knew that they were called that. Yep. They are called that on, well, I just kind of found this out after my father-in-law passed away. I had talked to him about it before, but I didn't really understand the lingo. But if you uh, look on your intergroup meeting list online, it should say it. They, I think that that's what they're titled, free thinkers. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. Okay. Well, it's it's easier to say than atheist, agnostic, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, okay, free thinkers. I did not know that that's what that was called. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um. So you're enjoying those. Okay. I don't know. There's any around me. I'll have to look at that. Yeah. I didn't know that there was one around me either, but there's one super close to me, and there's not that many in my. I pretty uh, there are a couple. Okay, great. And they're noted. Yeah. Uh, I am going to share, well, the tool that I shared in this talk is um, Boundaries and Protection by Pixie Lighthorse, the book. Um, it's been very helpful to me in my morning routine. They're one page, uh, little nuggets of wisdom. Um, and it's for all different situations. So Um, one is about stepping back for clarity. One's about, um, sexual boundaries. One's about divorce boundaries. 
um, invasion of privacy, boundaries with parents. I mean, there's a bunch of different situations, flimsy boundaries when something doesn't feel right. Um, so anyhow, th that's going to be my tool, Boundaries and Protection by Pixie Lighthorse. I like it. Um, now, this is going to sound funny because it sounds like it's, I'm, I'm such a paradox, and I am. <laughs> it's been about four months since I've been, um, since I discovered this church and I, I've been going just about every Sunday unless I'm out of town, but I started a new class there called Family Grace and it's about mental illness and addiction. And it's really interesting to get that perspective too. Uh, uh, again, it's, there's some anonymity around the, the attendees and the, um, the, but the topics are, uh, about so far are about, um, families because, you know, every family is, is affected somehow by mental illness and, or addiction. And, uh, it's, it's interesting place to explore that and just to get some different perspectives. And, um, these are, um, and to see how they are used. Did you say faith? You dropped out for a second. Faith. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Faith. Uh huh. Great. I just faith, to make sure. Faith-based. Faith-based ideas. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad you've gone back and found a, it seems to be um, serving you. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, the second thing that has been really helping me this week, and I wanted to share just briefly, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to tell you what type of uh, medicine this is, but in general, um, I have been flying a lot this last month. I took seven different flights and um, beta blockers. Pres they're prescribed by my doctor. Um, they're prescribed for people who are going to do public speaking and want to kind of help them take it down a notch and get calm before that. They helped me before pre-flight um, um, on all of the legs of my trips. I, I, and I think a lot of other things that I've done, um, having an anxiety toolbox, um, having, you know, all the things that go into, you know, my oils and uh, meditation. But anyhow, um, beta blockers were huge for me this month. Mm, good. So, right. And so you're recommending that if you're, if you have that level of anxiety to talk to your doctor is a possibility yeah, for sure yeah for sure because it's been a, a very useful non-addictive uh way uh, prescription to to because i was too freaked out to take something that might become addictive so right i know my personality but that has been there's all different types and you'd have to talk to your doctor about it but it's been a, a huge tool for me this last month nice good that's a good good option for people. Um, okay. So my last one is just, uh, attending to micro goals. And we just released a podcast at the beginning of the year where we talked about our big plans and dreams. So now the executable, uh, goals that are working me towards the big one every day. And, um, that's marking a few off the list every day. So, those include um, trying to get some inventory, which requires me to be in my studio actually making things, mm -hmm. not just thinking about it, <laughs> talking <laughs> about it. I actually right. have to get my hands in there. Uh, and I'm making um, 
photo backdrops, coming up with some really cool ideas for that. Oh. I know, I know. Photo backdrops, so like when you go on location? Or that people can do well, or... right? Yeah, ah. making some really cool, really fun uh, photo backdrops. Yeah, are they fabric? Yes, one's like a patchwork <gasps> fabric that'll kind of go in the. I'm I'm actually not sure how the colors are going to end up, how, how the colors are going to end up blending. At first, I was thinking it would be sort of a um, an ombre kind of fade, and now I'm not sure. But the co- it's it's going to be cool, I think. <laughs> right wait. now, it's a too too many small pieces to tell. But once I get it, I, it's or completely organic. I put it this way: I have maybe I'll do an Instagram story, but I have like f- one, two, three, four gigantic containers of scraps. You're like, um, like Santa's workshop. Or like I really am. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, Boz, it's hard to deal. That. And I'm sure any, um, seamstress will be able to relate to this. It's hard to deal with scraps. You can either throw them away, mm-hmm. which is not very, uh, you know, I'm in an environmental conscious creator, so that's not very environmentally conscious. So I can throw them away. Over the years, I have donated some to different um, creative reuse places, craft reuse places. Um, But the last couple of years, I've just been hanging on to them because I think I'm going to do something with these. You know, I think about the pioneer women who made quilts out of little tiny bits and pieces of scraps. And uh, so I decided that I was going to make a photo backdrop out of, out of scraps. And so I'm, I'm sewing them together color by color. And then I'm going to put the colors together anyway, in my head, it's awesome. So we'll see if it actually translates. And then I'm also making another background of, of, uh, fabric flowers. Ooh, pretty. Oh, I can't Mm -hmm. wait to see Sandra. That sounds awesome. I know they're going to be pretty, I think. Uh, well, you're attending to micro goals. So yes, that's, that's uh, similar over here. Um, and I don't, this isn't necessarily a sobriety tool, but for me, it has worked that way in the past. And um, I am doing a huge studio purge. So when I do that, when I kind of excavate my surroundings or I'm working on the January cure, you know, in the house, I'm doing like the cure light because I don't have a whole bunch of time to put into it. Um, that. I'm going to just purge the studio, be ruthless, and I'm ready to let go of some stuff, Sandra. I, I, you know, we collect everything, right? Like I might use this for a project or I might have this, I might get back into embroidery one day. No. Why do I have all these embroidery hoops? I'm not going to embroider, Sandra. I'm not mm-hmm. going to do it. Why do I still <laughs> have two, four, six, eight, ten of them right here? Um, so I'm going to be ruthless. We have a, a legacy thrift store in town. Um, it's for all kind of crafters. Mm, and those are good. Yeah. All your fabric you can donate. It's run by the senior center. It supports the senior center in town. And I usually donate to it every year when I do my January stuff. But this time I, the studio needs to get in shape for painting. I am itching to paint and um, I'm ready and I need to um, just refresh the space for it. So a big, big, um, and that always changed. I go through memory lane too. I think about 
And then I get lots of new ideas. Mm-hmm. I'm not jumping mm-hmm. all over the place already. See, memory lane is good because it tells me like either, oh, I never followed up on that idea or it morphed or it changed. And then I also get inspired with lots of new ideas of what I want to create. So that's what I'm doing. Big studio. Part. I love it. I've made this comment in our secret Facebook group, but I am really loving the fact that everybody is Marie condoing their homes right now because <laughs> I'm about to hit the thrift store. I'm not even kidding you today, <laughs> this week. I'm there. I will be picking up all your vintage dresses that, <laughs> right. that you don't want. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't just buy things just to buy. They all no, have no, a purpose, but I no. always need fabric. I'm always looking for fabric and scarves because I so I use all of that. So I lo- yeah. always look for fine things, fine fabrics, um, mm-hmm. anything that I can rip apart and use. But um, if it's something that's in perfect vintage condition then it goes in my collection so nice. you, yeah, you will be reaping a lot you will be reaping you keep a lot, marie condoing <laughs> i know <laughs> keep marie condoing your your yeah. your home yeah i can't i can't get behind the folding i just that's not my jam so i am outer order but inside of things not so orderly closets and drawers and things so she would have a field day with me I'm like, I think I'm organized. No, actually, you're just hiding things. <laughs> well, all right. Well, have a great rest of your day. All right. You too. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers, Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.